Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Karen Rinaldi, author and publisher, and author of her new book, It's Great to Suck at Something, The Unexpected Joy of Wiping Out and What It Can Teach Us About Patience, Resilience, and the Stuff That Really Matters. What if the secret to resilience and joy is the one thing we've been taught to avoid? As a shitty surfer and all-around imperfect human, Karen Rinaldi explains that we live in a time of aspirational psychosis. We humble brag about how hard we work and we prioritize productivity over play. Drawing on her own personal experience, sucking at surfing along with philosophy, literature, and the latest science, she explores sucking as a lost art we must reclaim for our health and our sanity and helps us find the way to our own righteous suckability. She's worked in the publishing industry for over two decades and in 2012 founded the imprint Harper Wave at HarperCollins. Karen's published in the New York Times, Oprah.com, Time, and many more. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on here today. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Well, okay. As I said in the introduction, Lauren, um, you talk about the fact that sucking is sort of a lost art that we must reclaim for our health, mental and physical, I assume. So if what you're saying that it's a lost art, uh, we used to do that, but now we don't. How did that happen? Where did we sort of morph in? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, there are probably different moments in history if you are going to look at it from a historical point of view. But I think, I hate to blame a lot on social media, but I do think if you, if you talk to a lot of the uh, sociologists, psychologists, and especially people who are working with, with young people, is that social media has put this veneer even more than, you know, or doubled down on what advertising had done, you know, since the post-war which is to sort of create this idealized life. If you buy this thing or do this thing, you know, you will be perfect. You will have a perfect life. You will have more love, more money, more this or that. And there's this false promise, right? So we learn this from, from you know, from decades and decades ago. But social media, and, and I think social media has a lot of good too. So I think there are two sides, you know, there are two sides to it. But from the point of view of being able to put the sides of ourselves that are less than less than perfect, that are imperfect, our mess ups, our our process, and all of this stuff, we don't really see it, um, you know, because we post the best parts of everything, and everything looks a little bit too good to be true. But I do think that people measure themselves against that beautiful Instagram, you know, that perfect turn of phrase, you know, everybody else's life is, is maybe, maybe, maybe better than mine or, or they're more talented or they're, you know, they figured it out when I haven't. And I, I don't think that's, well, I, I know that that's not true. And yet I think the power of those messages that come at us all the time um, have, have kind of preyed on our insecurities a little bit. So do you think then we're afraid to say, well, oh, I just want to do something, let's say, for fun, which we may suck at, but we do enjoy it because I really got to get out there and perfect my photography. I'm looking on Instagram or I have to really plan a really super vacation or whatever it is, but I'm competing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and I've got to do it I've got to do it with people I don't even know about so or know who they are. <clears throat> No, exactly. And I I think, exactly. And I think process, listen, that's an old wisdom tradition, right? That it's about the journey, not the destination. Process is everything. There are a lot of, um, there are a lot of sayings and there are a lot of messages, but I don't know that we take those in and saying that, 
you know, doing something just for the joy of doing it, doing something new uh, that you may probably will fail at, right? You know, whenever we try anything for the first time, we're going to suck at it. I mean, that's just, that's pretty, unless we have some innate talent, which I think innate talent is overrated too, because I think it actually, we think that people have innate talent. Usually what you don't see is the, whatever, 10,000 hours that came before that innate talent. Um, But I think we stop ourselves before we even start. And I wonder how much joy we're missing, right? You know, new communities we don't enter, new things we don't try, things we learn about ourselves when we enter something that we're not experts in, that we don't have a goal set for us. You think, huh, what would happen if I tried this? And people will say, I don't want to do that. I'll never be any good at it. And I say, so? (laughs) Like, and how does that make you feel? It's like, well, I'm a perfectionist. I can't let myself fail. And I think, right. And how does that feel, feel right? That, that, that's, that's not a good thing to walk around with. So my point is just to embrace the lesser, the, your lesser talents um, and try to find, you learn more about yourself and don't do it for the, hey, look at me. I'm an expert surfer, skier, macrame maker, <laughs> you know, potter, <laughs> tennis player. I don't know, you know, golfer. A lot of people seem to suck at golf. And that's something I get a lot of, which is really funny because people do it anyway, right? And I yeah. love that about people who say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I do it. I do it because it makes me happy. And I think that's the reason to do it. And, and, you know, you can't suck at your job. You can't suck at parenting or you got to try not to. You shouldn't suck at being a partner with someone. But you can suck at some of your hobbies and have fun with them anyway, actually, and have that be a relief. But what about you? Because, like, people are going to look at you and say, okay, Karen, uh, that sounds good. And you're obviously a risk taker and try new things, and that's great, and you learn new things about yourself, and you may or may not be good at it, you may totally suck at it, whatever, <laughs> but you're a very successful person, you, uh, you are. You have a very high-powered job, so you have all of this sort of, you know, you feel good about yourself, you are obviously a risk taker, and you get a lot of satisfaction about being doing a, a job well done. So it's easier for you maybe to say, well, what's the difference with, <laughs> I, you know, I suck at surfing, big deal, because that's really not my livelihood. Um, I'm, that doesn't define who I am, my work, my place in my community. Right, right. No, it's a, it's a good question, actually. And it's funny because sometimes people come at it from the other way, which is because I've had the question asked to me because you're successful or I seem to be successful, right? Because success is really just a measure of your sense of fulfillment, right? So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't attach a lot. And I know that there's, from the outside looking in, um, people layer things on top of you. But, you know, my success as a publisher doesn't tell you the story about how insecure I was as a reader, as a child, um, and how I had to fight to be a good reader and to get books when I grew up in a house with no books and where that kind of thing wasn't valued. So in a way, even being a publisher and an editor came out of, (laughs) and writer came out of sucking at something when I was very young and a great deep insecurity that I had, that I over, that I, I had to fight to overcome. And that's not obvious because I do this thing that I do, but I always think, oh, there's always a story behind the story, right? And if we listen to people's stories, you know, we learn so much about them, we learn about ourselves, and most, 
that sense of confidence that, you know, I put forth in the world, you know, was, I don't know, that, 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 that is, there's a lot underneath that. <laughs> there's, you know, so it's not only the surfing, but what the surfing does is it, it, it's, a, it's a lighter way of getting me accustomed to the fact that I am going to fail even in the things that I am successful in, right? Sometimes I, I say things as a parent, I go, oh, I can't believe I just said that, or, you know, as a partner, or even at work when I do make mistakes because I am not, I am not perfect in anything I do. When people say that I'm a perfectionist and therefore I can't, I say, well, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect in anything I do. I strive to be better in everything, but perfection I don't know too many people who are perfect. In fact, I can't really name one. So I could see people from the outside. Someone would say, oh, that person is perfect. So I think that the success, you know, story that is layered on top, that we layer on top of people is a story that we tell ourselves. It's not really about that other person's process. So a lot of this is about embracing your own process and then listening to people's stories right, about where they came from and maybe what they had to struggle with and not assume that they're good at something because they were born good at it, that maybe they really worked hard at it so they would suck at it less and less and less and then get good at it. Unfortunately for surfing for me, (laughs) I want to get better at it and I suck very little less <laughs> every year. I've been doing it for 17 years. It's the hardest thing I do. But it, it But it I have helped. to stop you because it is, the, as you say, and you say in the book, it is the hardest thing you do. But as a social <laughs> worker, I guess, coming at it from this perspective, there, yeah. what are the second, there are secondary gains, even though you're not the best, you're not going to be winning yes. surfing championships. But what are those secondary gains, like really specifically for you? I know you do it I just having seen this online, you surf with your son. Um, yeah. yeah. I think he's better than you are. I'm not sure, but that, it seemed like that. <laughs> that's what's no, Oh, oh um, by, by far. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. He started at five um, yeah. and we grew up surfing. I always say we grew up surfing together because I started at 40 and he started at five and we surfed together and it took very little time for him to just kick my butt in the water and just, you know, surpass me. And that's been a great joy. But so just the, you know, experiential nature of surfing is really compelling to me because it puts me in nature or puts me in the water. It, it's, you know, paddle, paddling off of terra firma where I can just not be reached. I, I'm responsible to, to, to only that moment. Um, and it takes your full attention because when you're in the ocean, you, you need to pay full attention. But I would say that even if you were, say, you know, pottery is something you've always loved to do. And you look at pottery and think, oh, it's so beautiful. I would love to do it. And you go into a potter's so you're sitting at a potter's wheel where you, you know, it's it's not the ocean and it's not outside, but there's something elemental about it. And there's something that you can lose yourself in. So the kind of the, the benefits that I get are, you know, I, I talk about resilience and humility and tenacity and, um, letting go of this notion that I have to, this is the most important part, letting go of the notion that I have to be good at it. I I try and I I try because I want to try and I want, I try to get better and I do get slightly better, but it's the one thing I do where I don't have to get better. And there is so much freedom in that because it just, you, you release yourself from all of that goal setting you know, that we have in our lives. And I think that's really important. It's almost, it's not meditation. I wouldn't, you know, go there, but there's a, there's a, a place you can go to where it's, you let go of your ego and you just be, you do and you just be. 
And what floods in is a lot of self-compassion. You get rid of the critic in your head that's always telling you you're not good enough or you're not this enough. And there's, again, there's freedom in that. And, and I, there's also, I, I want, I want to, to stop bring you for a minute because I think what you said is so, uh, this particular thing that you just said, that you're, you're doing something that you don't, that, that, that it's, it's free because you, there are no expectations for yes. great at it. It's, you can just do what you want. You go to work, there are expectations. I mean, you, you, you know, you can't get away from that. But if you're doing something that you know you're not trying to get in the finals for the surfing contact context you <laughs> then you don't you know then you're okay with it and it's it's relaxing as you say it is I, I I really get that and and it is freeing uh it's also another thing what about risk taking I mean so that people can actually get mm. to that point don't you have to be somewhat of a risk taker to try stuff that you just feel like you, you know maybe you're surfing would be I'm not athletic how how am I ever going to be surfing or doing anything physical but take the risk um Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mean the risk, the physical risk for something physical, or the risk of not of 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 being afraid that you find I, you I think aren't it, good at it. It doesn't have to be physical. Let's risk. say I'm, you know, just any kind of whatever you, you, one feels is a risk for them. Well, you know, I really shouldn't yes. even try that because I don't even have a shot. Um, so, <laughs> but take the risk and 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 just go for it. Yeah, I I I I think that's a huge part of it. I do think that people are afraid that they're going to be laughed at. I think they're afraid that they're going to be humiliated. I think they're afraid they're going to be judged because you think about the, the, the judgment that, say, the Internet allows so much of the haters, right? And this is the other thing is that, you know, people are so quick to tell you what you suck at. And part of, big part of this idea is that if you, uh, listen, the people who are hating online, the person I mean, you know this better than I do from your profession, but, you know, the person that they have the least compassion for is themselves, right? And they just project that onto others, right? So my thing is that if you can do something with joy, suck at it, find the self-compassion, you know, to, to forgive yourself for not being good or great or whatever it is at it. What happens is that you look at other people and you watch them struggle and you watch them try something new and you don't judge them. It's very hard to judge other people when you do something so diligently, you know, sucking at surfing and I'm doing it in public because you're in the ocean and everybody's there and they are seeing you fail um, miserably. Um, <laughs> and you ha- once you get okay with that and you forgive yourself for it, you stop, you turn off that judge that we make of other people. And so I think we start with our fear that we're going to be judged because we judge ourselves. If we can stop judging ourselves and forgive ourselves for sucking, we stop judging others. And it's a, it's a perpetual good news situation as opposed to the other thing. Now, I was online and I saw that you had written an article for Oprah.com when you were diagnosed with breast cancer. I think that was 2016 or around that time. And you talk about how surfing and you gave a I'd like you just to talk about that a little bit on the show because about how your surfing yeah. and your relationship with surf, surfing helped you with your diagnosis, your treatment. Um, that yeah. it, I, I, there's a term you use, surfing through chemo. That was <laughs> another <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that was. I like the way it sounded. It was a little, you know, Sounds it's a good. little arrogant because <laughs> I tr- I tried it. It's really yeah. hard to surf through chemo. I yeah, mean, I did paddle out a couple of times, um, but I tried. Um, well, th- what I learned is that when I was going through this, and it was a pretty. If you read the, there's a chapter in the book that tells that story and then talks around it and what I gained from it is that it was a pretty bad year where it was just bad news after bad news after bad news. And what I realized, and this was a beautiful realization, was that I wanted to get better. I mean, A, for my, ch- for my kids and my family. I mean, that's your friends. I mean, that's the first order of business for anything. But after that, it was that my, my, it was like, was I going to die? It was my first question. My second question was, am I going to be able to surf again? And I thought, oh, you know, I want to get better. I want to get stronger. I'm going to fight to get better because I want to get back in the water. So the thing that was the least important in my life and that the thing I was worst at was the thing that compelled me to fight to get better. And I just experienced that, right? I, hadn't, I didn't think about it intellectually. I found myself having this conversation with my doctors and saying, listen, you're going to do this operation. I'm going to do this treatment. I need to get in the water. What's the protocol? They're like, well, wear this bandage, do this thing. They were so great in helping me figure that out because they knew for my mental health and, and probably physical health, it was best that I did this thing. But I realized it wasn't about all the obligations I had, right? It was about surfing. I thought, wow, a reason my suck at something, the thing I suck at the most is my, one of my biggest reasons to live. And that blew my mind. <laughs> I didn't know that that was true. And I thought, wow, this business of doing something that you're not good at, but you find only joy in is really big. It almost brought home this message for me and gave me a kind of perspective to write about it. So when it actually comes down to life and death situations, I mean, <laughs> the, and which this is or was, um, it was the surfing. It was exactly, I mean, it sort of validated all that you've been go, uh, doing, I guess, right? I mean, this is, yeah, you weren't concerned about how, you know, the next project you were doing at work or how much money you were going to make or whatever it is. Yeah. For, it was getting back to the, getting back to the, getting back to the surfing. It was getting back to the water and with my son and in the story that I write it's about this wave I surf with my son every time I talk about it I cry but um, (laughs) it's this story where I I paddle out with him and I was pretty beat up and I surfed with him on this one wave and it was probably the most beautiful moment of my life and I thought it was a tiny little wave and I was with him and I thought if this is not a reason to live I don't, I don't know what is like it's, it, and, and you know what, that was the last wave I took for a long time. And then I got very sick and then blah, blah, blah. You know, we all go through stuff. I, not to make too much of a big deal about that, but we go through so much. And you thought I kept riding that wave over and over in my head. And I thought, I'm going to get back in the water. I'm going to get back in the water. I'm going to, not that I wouldn't have fought to get better anyway for my family. Um, again, first order of business, but it surprised me that the way I looked, I mean, I had, I mean, I don't know if I can say this on air, but I had a mastectomy. Uh, I lost my hair. I was a mess. And my body has just changed tremendously from it. And none of that meant anything to me. I was like, I'm good. As long as I can get back in the water, I'm okay. I don't care what I look like. I don't care that I've got this very damaged one part of my body um, from five surgeries that I had. If I can surf, I'm going to be good. And that was huge for me in my kind of sense of adventure to move forward after this thing that happened. 
which you absolutely obviously have done. I guess the next question is, you, you know, you started surfing late um, and you were 40. Is that when you started? So why, what, how, yeah, why? Say that out loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I started at 40. I started very late, which I wouldn't recommend. Um, but, but my, you know what, what's interesting is that um, I, I do recommend, you know, people think they get too old to start new things. And I'm saying, you know, bah humbug, that's just not true. You're never too old to start now something new. Never. You know, I love the stories of people going back and getting their, your college degree in their fifties, you know, and getting their, advanced degree in their 60s and the people who do that just make me cry. I always just cry when I read those stories and I think yeah because it's never too late to start something surfing I started late because I was frankly I was terrified of it I was always compelled by it but so scared and then I turned I was turning 40 and I thought if I never try this I will have I will have let my fear you know win over my compulsion to try it and I thought I'm going to do it I'm just going to try it and then I can move on and what happens is I tried it once and it was like the biggest hook of my entire life it was just and I kind of knew that because I've always wanted to do it but the fear stopped me and then one time I just said put down that fear the worst thing that happens is you fail Um, you're not going to go out in big water so it's not you're not going to get hurt um, but you never know what could be on the other side of that. And it, what was on the other side of that was just has been some of the most important moments of the last two decades of my life. And it has refocused my life. And again, it could be, it, you know, my wave, my, my ocean, my surfing could be anybody's game of chess or tennis. It could be sedentary. It could be a craft. It could be music. It could be singing, dancing. It could be physical. It could be mental. You know, it could be anything. It's just that we're afraid to enter it because we think we're going to suck at it. And I say, just if you just move that aside, you're going to enter these new worlds and you never know what's going to light your fire, right? And who doesn't want a fire lit, you know, at any age? But when you say you always wanted to do it, I still want to get back to that. What made you, <laughs> why surfing? Why did you always want to surf? Are there a zillion things you could have, you were exposed to and maybe wanted to do. What was the impetus or the motivation? Where where'd that come from? Well, you know, that's a very specific story. So since I'd been a very little girl, I, you know, would go to the ocean, go to the beach, you know, we'd have a week vacation growing up, you know, in New Jersey, we would drive to the shore, you know, we'd spend a week, that's where, where our vacation would have, you know, much money to travel or anything, but we would drive to the shore and spend a week or two with our cousins, you know, down at the beach. And I loved the ocean so much. I was so compelled by the ocean and I was terrified. And I had a recurring dream and nightmare when I was very young. And the dream nightmare were almost the same. I still have them, by the way. I have them probably weekly. So this is all gone my whole life. And this, I don't know why. I, I need to dig very deep to find out why this is true. But the dream was a big wave came and I wasn't scared and I could breathe underwater and it would come and it would overcome me, but I would feel one with it. And very powerful, very beautiful dream. I love these dreams. They were my favorite dreams growing up. And I had them from probably, I mean, I can go back to like almost four and five years old when I had these dreams. And then the second one was a nightmare. Same thing, big wave comes, but there's a structure behind me so instead of becoming one with the wave and being able to move with it and breathe with it and be one with it, it was going to crush me and kill me. And I would drown. 
And I literally would alternate between this dream nightmare, dream nightmare. So, so when I was in the ocean, whenever I was in the ocean, I would feel one or the other. But the fear one was pretty overwhelming to me. And I, I, I still confront that fear. That's part of the draw for me is having to overcome, because it's mostly irrational. Um, the ocean's dangerous. You have to respect it. But I, I try to pay very close attention to what my skill level is, what the ocean's doing. I'm, I do not take her for granted. Um, but I do have to think, like, when a wave comes and it's too big for me and I'm sitting in the wrong spot and I'm going to get hammered, I am dealing with that fear all over again. And that is something that... I feel helps me in all of the fears that I have. A lot of them are rational. It doesn't matter. My fear of public speaking, which I have to do. My fear of failing at work, which I, I'm afraid of. Like, you know, I have these fears. I put a fierce front up, <laughs> but yeah. there are So it does, it do, what you're saying is, and we have one minute left, it does generalize yeah. to all other areas of your life. People have yeah. to go out and get the book because... Um, I mean, there's so much to talk more to talk about with you. Suck at something. Um, it's great to suck at something. It's great to suck at something. And uh, we've been talking to Karen Rinaldi. Um, Karen, just give give us a website we can go to. I, you can buy the book online, bookstores everywhere to continue the conversation. And Thank uh, you. yeah, so just give us a website. So the web two websites. There's K yep. Rinaldi. K R I N. ALDI.com. That's my writer um, website. And then there's just suckatsomething.com, which is pretty playful and fun. So you can find a lot, out a lot more um, by, by going to suckatsomething.com. Thanks so much for being on the show today. It was great. Thank you, Catherine. It's really been fun to talk to you. Yeah. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Mm-hmm. 